Hello and you're listening to FPCast, the podcast for Thrillers Pursuits where we bullshit about the week in pop culture. I am Luke. And I'm Jacinta. And this week we are talking about... Shazam, but I feel like that's like it's the title of the movie. It is, and it's that's like not what we're supposed to be doing, and not the name of the character. No, and they didn't even give him a name in the movie. Well, I guess they kind of can't, can they? It would be very confusing. Yeah, to regular folk. Yeah, to go. His name's Captain Marvel, and they go, didn't we just have one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Where's he? Titties. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Pretty. Where's big the cat? He had a pretty big chest. Where's Goose? Yeah. Where's Goose in all this? I'm looking for a comedic cat, Zachary. Le- <laughs> Zachary. Zachary. Zachary Levi. <laughs> Zachary Levy. Uh, Zachary. At least it wasn't Eugene uh, oh, Levi. That would have been. Uh, that would have been quite a film, wouldn't it? Yeah, and the, imagine his um, eyebrows all static electricity up. Ah. Oh my god! Mm, what a film. See if it was made in the '90s, that's what it would have been. You know, there's something about it where it was almost like it was made in the... Like, maybe written in the 90s. Mm. And uh, then given a bit of a 2019 uh, makeover. Mm. Interesting. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today, movie review-wise. We've seen Shazam. Uh, We saw The Man Who Killed Don uh, Quixote, which is Terry Gilliam's film that he's been trying to make for the last 25 years. Uh, Finally uh, squeezed that one out. And uh, I saw Dumbo. I'd like to talk about that. And uh, also saw Unicorn Store, which is a Brie Larson-directed film, which has been languishing since 2017, but now has a Netflix release. Mm. No doubt due to the success of... Shazam! Captain, Shazam! Oh, Captain Marvel. Okay, yeah. yeah. Two Captain Marvels in one month. Mm. What a lucky, lucky universe we live in. And uh, so... Not going to dwell too much on news because we've also got two what to watch challenge movies. I guess the mm. biggest thing was perhaps the trailer for the Joker film, mm. the Todd Phillips directed Joker film With starring Joaquin Joaquin uh, Phoenix mm. Phoenix. <laughs> um, yes, yes, I. I watched this trailer when it very, very first dropped, which was quite late at night. So it was the last thing I watched before going to sleep. And I, I just don't know if that was the best choice that uh, that I made this week. Because it gave you nightmares. <laughs> no, it was just like, there's just so many, like, shitty, creepy dudes in the world. Like, do I want to <laughs> just watch this shitty, creepy dude in makeup before I go to bed. Like, oh, come on. The funny thing was that it really resonated with the shitty, creepy dudes of the world. Like, <laughs> So many people like, this looks amazing. Oh, my and I'm like, God. This looks brilliant. And I was, I, I tweeted, this looks like a fucking drag. And then <laughs> there was quite a few people that were like, actually, yeah, it kind of does. And they're mostly women, to be fair. Yeah. Mm. I think that we seem to enjoy films the most if we can relate to them. Mm-hmm. And this idea of um, a outcast kind of marginalised doesn't quite fit in despite his best intentions. Mm. Got a heart of gold. He's gets, a nice guy, though. Gets beaten up, and uh, but then suddenly has this kind of... Uh, power or awakening and goes hey world you sure are gonna be sorry and then uh enacts out all his wildest fantasies mm. uh certainly did appeal uh mm. to a wide swath of the internet yeah yeah and i think it's that thing we've spoken about before people love having their comic book shit legitimized like it looks like a real movie you know like if it didn't even necessarily have the joker stuff in it like you could see Joaquin doing a movie where there was just some downtrodden guy that went out and enacted his and becomes a clockwork orange uh, fantasies. Yeah, it's sort of like a taxi driver story. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then uh, I agree. That, that's why when they mention Gotham, it feels a little bit clumsy mm. in a way. And in the same way, like, I love The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's mm. Dark Knight. It's my favourite one. But... The Batman element is the silliest thing in it. Mm. Like, that's the thing that kind of takes you out because everything else is so grounded. And you could Mm. believe, okay, there's this anarchist guy that 
um, has clown makeup on and is just like mm. fucking with everyone and testing their morality. Mm. But then the guy dressed up in the bat is a even further lead yeah, than yeah. the clown is. He's a weirder guy than the clown guy. Um, look, I'm I'm totally open minded. I mean, I'm happy to to watch whatever. I'm excited that uh, it's coming out. I think it uh, is a nicely put together trailer. I just kind of wonder, honestly, and this will come back up as we we go to Shazam. Like, what the fuck DC is doing, which has always been the question, mm. isn't it? Because they they don't seem to be able to get anything cohesive Hmm. or coherent together and it's on one level i understand and i think it's a bit of damage control on their part that you want to say well we don't need everything to connect up um you know we can just do good solid movies and let that be a thing and that sounds really good but the problem is once you do a good one the demand is for more of that Hmm. so we're going to see more wonder woman we're going to see more Aquaman. I'm sure we'll see more Shazam. Mm. Then if this thing goes well and they go, oh, he's our Joker. I mean, imagine like if this has the impact of Heath Ledger's Joker, for example, and mm. everybody's like, oh, we want this. Mm. It's like, where do you go with all these things then? Because it's like, I, I feel like, you know, we've only seen a couple of minutes of this Joker, but I feel like you can't put this Joker and Shazam in the same universe together, or the same movie together. Yeah, well... I mean, you could, but it would just be like... Very, uh, you know... They blew their load um, with Justice League and their two main characters, Batman and Superman, are now in limbo because we, we know that Cavill and Affleck aren't mm. likely to play them anymore. So we're going to have more Wonder Woman, more, you know, more of these other characters. But then we've got that awkwardness of bringing in, I guess, new versions of the other heroes. Mm. And what do you do with that? Do you wipe the slate? Like, because you can't completely wipe the slate clean because you're happy with Wonder Woman and... Mm. But then at the same time, do they want to live in that continuity with those other ones? Uh, and then you've got something like this, which um, this Joker's not going... Less so Shazam, but I, I think it's not going to fit in a world with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Mm. And we had uh, set photos of her getting kicked out of the house by what looked like a Jared Leto Joker. Mm. Whether he's playing it or not, I don't know. The face is obscured in the picture, and I wouldn't mm. be surprised if they do a aspect of him but you don't actually see Mm. him clearly you know you just see him from outside the house pacing around by the window and and, you know you never get a clear shot yeah it's all just so different and disjointed and and very difficult for them to run with a good thing and not have it clash with all these other things Mm. they're trying to do so uh, it is a real mess even when they're um bringing out entertaining movies uh so yeah i don't know where this thing will sit and I don't know how the fuck they're going to get something interesting for him to go up against. I mean, okay, I know it's going to be him going up against society. Uh, I feel there's shades. We know that Robert De Niro plays a talk show host and um, in The Dark Knight uh, Returns, the comic, the Joker goes on to a talk, or goes on to Letterman, actually, and gets to um, sort of speak his manifesto and ends up uh, murdering the host and everybody in the audience. And I wouldn't be surprised if something like that mm. happens in this. But uh, to, you know, a Joker without Batman Mm. kind of defeats the purpose in a way. Mm. Yeah. It just feels like DC's saw the success of Logan and went, we want our serious sad man movie. Yeah. And fucking Logan went off the rails too. Mm. Yeah, that's... I still... Like, I'm still in a way puzzled by the reaction to it like I thought it was just a bit like it was fine it was a bit bland and I didn't really enjoy it that much but the way people just really and again is it that thing where they're going oh this is a real movie that has Wolverine in it thus it is better yeah I don't know why you need that legitimization like oh this legitimizes this makes it serious so now when I talk to my co-workers during coffee break about comic book stuff and Wolverine and things, you know, they'll go, wow, and take it seriously. Because they won't. Mm. Like, n- nothing will legitimise it for those people that aren't interested. And and that's a movie that, for me, just falls apart in that third act where it becomes him fighting this, like, version of himself and, mm. you know, and his death is the most mm-hmm. uninspired, uninteresting uh, thing that you could have, really. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, this strikes me more as... Uh, like a better production values, better team version of something like Venom, mm. where you go, well, we just take that one aspect and then we really stretch it out for a whole movie without any other characters. Mm. 
I mean, we're all very, very clear on what the Joker is and what the Joker represents, and we're going to be pretty clean, uh, pretty keen to see him suit up. And we're going to be pretty clean too, because um, that's another bit of advice. Shower. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like, I, I imagine we're going to spend an hour, an hour and a quarter before he even fully mm. makeup suits up and... Mm. It's like, we kind of get it, don't we? Mm-hmm. I, I can't really imagine how the themes are going to surprise us here. But anyway, uh, that's coming up. Um, one of the many, many pop culture movies this year. There are so many things this year, it's hard to keep track of. Uh, but let's talk about the things that we did see. And because we're talking about DC, we may as well go straight into Shazam, which we saw uh, yesterday. Mm. Uh, do you want to get the ball rolling with this one? Um, the lightning ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, DC character, uh, Captain Marvel, played by Zachariah Levy. <laughs> um, um, it's... I'm just a poet. It's just tempting to make yeah. it rhyme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fun enough. I think the problem with this, and I said this after the movie, is that they had a, a trailer for Endgame before it, and it was that whatever it takes trailer, that really fucking serious one, where they all look really cool, and you're like, I'm so hype! And then you're watching Shazam going, oh, and I guess this is fine too. Um, like, it feels... Like, it's fun, but it does feel pretty just lightweight, and for a much younger audience than perhaps other things that we've we've seen. But, the, you know, the kids in the audience really enjoyed it, so I guess that's the main thing. I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. It was a fine way to pass a uh, pass an afternoon. And Zachary Levi's great. Like, he's very charismatic and he's really enjoyable to watch. Um, but aside from him, uh, Mark Strong as the villain was a bit nothing, I thought. Um, I thought he was a step up, though, from DC villains that we've had yeah. recently. I mean, he's... As all the villain plots in these DC things are, it's just complete gubbins. Mm. You know, it's just nonsense. And his whole ability set and, and what he can do and everything, yeah. um, you know, you put that down on paper and it's just a, a whole bunch of silly billery. Mm. Uh, it feels like it was made from a Mad Libs kind mm. of process. But that said, and, you know, he's played a villain plenty of times and... Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a kind of, um, you know, cliche aspect to that where you can expect a certain type of performance mm. for him. But I, I, I thought he actually, considering what he was given, had quite a bit of gravitas and mm. uh, was able to to pull through that. I, I thought he did an interesting job. Like, uh, he was more interesting than I was expecting anyway. I mean, Shazam, like, well, Captain Marvel, we're talking about a character that's been around for fucking ever. This is like a he's like a forties or something character. I'm pretty sure. So that whole origin and the wizard and everything like that is very very old school golden age comics, and um, it, it's that absolute thing that you, as a adult who wants things legitimized, like mm. Logan or the Joker, um, the whole wizard origin is is like the complete opposite end of that. It's a very tough thing to sell. And they just kind of did it, just went with it. And uh, I guess, you know, that, that's one of those things you're always trapped by the past. So I, I think that story-wise, that's why I mentioned like a, a 90s film or something. It's it's a bit of an old-fashioned superhero movie. I think the plot, the storyline, the kind of feel-good beats and the scenario, like the Foster family, which are really the Burger King Kinks, Kids Club, you know, that <laughs> that kind of aspect to it and the um, sort of messaging mm. there is all very, very predictable and, and rote and old school. But at the same time, um, Zachary Levi really won me over. Mm. Like, I, I thought the movie was kind of in trouble until he showed up. And then he uh, he's just really enjoyable. Mm. So I was entertained, uh, yeah. and I did smile through a lot of it, and came out of it feeling um yeah feeling buzzed about it. Like I, I give it a three and a half. Okay, I think I gave it a th- I think I gave it a three. Um, yeah, like it was. Um, I kind of liked how sort of nineties cartoonishy it was. It was very cartoonishy. They they've got the big body suits. Yeah, I... To make him all, you know, really bulky and he's got, like, heaps of makeup on and his hair's all super brill cream. Like, he looks like he's walked out of a, you know, an Alex Ross drawing. 
Yeah. Uh, which I, li- I liked that. I, d- I did like that. And, uh, you know, the, the messaging is very positive if it does feel a little bit, you know, midday movie uh, even. But, uh, you know, look, it's, it's, it's fine. I've got to really keep true to my whole, um, I guess, rationale about those sorts of movies, that idea that I do like them committing to the comic no matter how silly it is. Mm. I do like that idea that instead of trying to ground everything and sort of sucking away those fantastical elements, which mm. a lot of movies in the past have done, to go, no, we're going to make him look like he walked off the page mm. and we're going to do his dumb origin and, and, and stuff mm. like that. And we're going to put in some big CGI monsters. And, you know, I, I like it not shying away from the fact that mm. it's a comic book movie. Uh, I think he really... I mean, his performance is so strong that the kid playing Billy Batson's kind of hard to watch Mm. In the in-between mm-hmm. moments, because you go, where does all the personality go when he turns <laughs> yeah. back into a kid? Mm. He's this, like, sort of fast-talking jokester, and then mm. he becomes this just moody, expressionless kid. Mm. And it's like, uh, I guess that's enhancing his personality as well as his uh, <laughs> muscles and, and strength and everything. Uh, so I, I found that um, yeah, quite a golf. But, uh Yeah. It was uh, pleasant enough. Um, I think uh, a fine way to fill in our weekend before the main event, which is Endgame. Mm. And I feel like that's going to be the same with Hellboy next week. Um, that idea of, you know, we've got a few comic book movies that are sort yeah, of paving the way. Treading, treading water until and, we get to the big um, stuff. You know, hopefully we'll be entertaining enough in their own right. Yeah. Uh, bef- before we get to the big thing. Yeah. I've seen people, because um, I know a lot of people saw this, like, uh, and in the US and stuff, like, straight away, as soon as it came out. And some of the positive reviews, people are giving it, like, very, very, very high ratings. And I'm like, like, I get that. But even compared to, say, uh, like, Aquaman, I feel like Shazam's not necessarily giving us a lot that we feel like we haven't seen before. All I can imagine for that is, I, I think there is a contingent of um, sort of old school comic book fans who are against that sort of darkening of things mm. and probably really want to see some good old fashioned family traditional values. family <laughs> values and heroics and mm. you know a, super, a bright superhero going out and, mm. and doing stuff and learning something like mm. i i think there is something like that and um i i think for those people you know that is their thing that's their main thing that's what they enjoy their most that's mm. what they got into to comics in the same way that star wars is probably my thing so mm. you know in the same way that um star wars movies gets usually a pretty high score for me i imagine that you know it's that oh this is a really nice strong Hmm. clean you know clear-cut superhero movie in the same way that you know spider-man into the spider-verse scratches that itch for a lot of people as well so i can understand that i mean i'm I'm never going to relate to those characters or be interested in that kind of world as much as i am um, something that we've invested all, you know, like the whole Marvel thing has become this big interconnected saga soap opera that mm. we're all invested to find out what happens next. Mm. And DC's, as we said before, trapped in a format now where it's very difficult for them to, to do that. They uh, can give us these enjoyable throwaway experiences, but ultimately that's what it is. It's a, it's a, it's mm. a pretty disposable movie it's a but i mean that's what movies were i guess were intended to be initially Mm. now we've got movies sort of like tv and tv like movies Mm. you know it's all meshing together but um there's so many movies as a kid that you just went and saw and you know they were complete throwaways but you went oh that was great Mm. turner and hooch turner and hooch yeah (laughs) shazam is the turner and hooch of superhero movies uh 100 Mm. um put that on the poster or is it the, uh, maybe it's the, the big, there was a little uh, there was, piano. Yeah. yeah. Well, being compared to big right from the announcement. Mm. So the fact that they uh, did a very clear allusion to that mm. was, uh, was quite, quite good. Yeah. He never checked out his uh, dick though, did he? I guess it was hard to get into his... Yeah, well, he did make a joke how he didn't know how he was going to go to the toilet in the yeah. suit. So I guess there was, yeah, he, he wasn't going to check out his wee-wee. Yeah. Because, mm. you know... Uh, 14-year-old boy, I think mm. that would be the first thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, Shazam's uh, dick aside, uh, <laughs> the other thing we saw was we went to preview at the Luna for the man who killed Dong... Uh, Quixote. 
he says it in a really, they say it in a really great way, even more than... Kiyote. Yeah, there's like something there that, that uh, my coarse Australian accent cannot <laughs> uh, accomplish. But yeah, speaking of cannot accomplish, Terry Gilliam couldn't do this for 25 years. Mm. I did watch the documentary Lost in La Mancha, I think. Okay. Um, which was from 2002, which was about uh, the failed attempt to do the one with Johnny Depp. Mm. And, um, and someone who's put on, uh, like, theatre productions before, it was one of the most stressful documentaries <laughs> I've watched because you really feel everything just going pear-shaped. Mm. And it, it doesn't look like anything was set up correctly to begin with. It's just, a, just an absolute disaster. And what surprised me, because I, I'd just come out of seeing this movie, spoilers, I really enjoyed this movie, and I was on this kind of high of, wow, like, Gilliam's just a genius. And when I watched Gilliam in this documentary, I didn't feel that at all. I felt mm. like I wanted to slap him. I was like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, and you're letting everyone run all over you, and, and you just don't seem to have any realistic grasp on the situation. Mm. So made me think, God, it really is a miracle that this thing came together in the way that it did, because um, it's a lot of movie. There, there is it a is, lot yeah. of stuff in there, and it doesn't look like a cheap movie either. I mean, there are a lot mm. of uh, sets and costumes and um, sequences and, and a lot of location where you think, uh, yeah, this took some time. So mm. people might not know about this one. Uh, what, would, what do they need to know? Um, so... Essentially, Adam Driver plays a. Uh, an, they call him an ad man in the description. Like he's a he's an ad director. Like he directs commercials, I suppose, and he's uh, ends up back in the same sort of region where he had shot like a student film many years ago. I actually think that some of the synopsis stuff that has gone out for this movie mm. is actually taken from the version he was going to shoot before oh, okay. because he's a, definitely an ad man in that mm. um but he's making a feature he's a director of a feature film in this one i thought he was making an ad oh was it an ad i thought it was an ad i thought oh, okay. he, was, he was directing an ad and yeah because they were talking about the the um, vodka, the vodka yeah. account and stuff like that so yeah i think he was making an ad and they were uh, he ends up stumbling across uh like a bootleg dvd seller that uh, is has a copy of this movie that he made as a, like a student film um, and it sort of uh, entices him to go back to the area where the, the movie was filmed and reconnect with some of those people and some of those people uh, includes an old man who he hired to play uh, Don Coyote in the film who has since gone a little bit mad and thinks that he perhaps is Don Coyote. So Adam Driver becomes uh, mistaken for Sancho. Sancho. He's a uh, sidekick. Sidekick and um, goes on gets stuck in a very crazy adventure mm. which really puts Adam Driver through the ringer and that's one of the things I really mm. enjoyed because um, I think at the beginning of the movie, it, it took me a while. I didn't know what the storyline was, and it took me a while to get in with it. I was like, "Oh, this is okay," but I don't. What, I don't know the hook. I don't know where, what you're getting at. And I kind of had an opinion about the characters, like Adam Driver's character. And then there was a moment where it all clicked in for me when he hooks back up with the Don Coyote. Mm. So in the original version that was being made, it didn't have that plot of him having made a film before. Mm. And he actually went back to the 17th century in the, um, or the 1700s, I'm not sure which, in the uh, original version. Mm. Whereas in this, I, I think the improvements of the story are so mm. much better. In this, the guy that he um, yeah, had cast now thinks that he is Don Coyote and that causes all sorts of uh, craziness. So it's, um, I think, a very multi-layered film. I think there's a lot going on. I think there's a lot of... Um, thematic stuff in there a lot of stuff to unpack there's some amazing visuals uh i i just thoroughly enjoyed the journey i mean mm. it felt a little bit long but i, I don't want to say that because you know there, i've got to be honest like there were aspects of it there where i'm sitting there going i really need to go to the toilet now and i'm worried about our parking and I don't want that to be a reflection mm. on the movie, which if I was mm. watching it under the circumstances where those things didn't happen, mm. I would go, oh, like this is, you know, mm. I'm glad all this is in there and, mm -hmm. it, and it's important. And mm. I think it's the sort of movie that I would appreciate the more I watched it as well, because 
it was messing with my expectations the first time and you're sort of trying to you know there was a point where the movie's sort of gathering so much baggage as it continues that you're sitting there in the audience going this is not going to resolve itself in the next five minutes mm. you know and because it has a interesting structure you don't have that thing where you go oh i'm clearly in the third act and, and this thing's going to wind down soon mm. you don't really know um and i think those kind of movies are hard to judge on a first go because mm. it's really fucking with your expectations and your sense of time and your sense of how long you're going to be sitting mm. there whereas i think there's a point that you get past all that and you appreciate what is on the screen and Mm. And, and and that's my biggest thing that I want to do as a, uh amateur critic doing this show is not say that things were too long or too shit or I didn't like this bit or whatever, but to sort of ask myself the question, well, why is that there? Why do I think they made that choice? Why did they, they do that? And I mm. think there were a lot of interesting things along the way. Mm. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely one that uh, I want to see again in the future. I was having a bit of a... Uh, uh, bad allergy day, which makes me very uh, foggy and very difficult for me to focus. Uh, which a mo- when a movie is fucking with, is this reality or is this sort of hallucination? Uh, I was having a very hard time keeping track of that, especially in the third act. So that third act was very hard work for me, but I did enjoy the movie um, a lot. And Adam Driver was fantastic. Like I think you know. It's worth waiting 25 years to get Adam Driver and not Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. And Adam <laughs> Driver has had so much fun in this movie. And mm. to see him go through to play high status, to play low status, to mm. see him um, go through his slapstick comedy, to see mm. him sing dance, to see him just broken down mm. as a man. If you're an Adam Driver fan, I mm. 100% recommend this. Um, you know, it's a challenge. It's an unusual movie. It's... Uh, Certainly not going to be for everyone, but I gave it a four and a half. I think it's something special. I think it's a a really interesting, um, yeah, challenging film. It took me, as I said, a while to get into it, but then um, I think the overall experience of it, I was was very pleased. Um, I I like what he he did with it. So, yeah, Hmm. I I recommend that, but... um, be honest with yourself as is is if as to whether you're the the person that uh it's for um and it's it's such a non commercial movie mm. was yeah. that was interesting in the documentary like you forget that things like um time bandits and uh and twelve monkeys and stuff were actually money makers mm. you know and and they were critically acclaimed and he he was making money on those films at fish king as well with robin williams which mm. i think this would have shades off because he's he's a character uh, guy that thinks he's a fantasy character mm. in that um and then baron munchausen lost like a ton of money and was his sort of notorious disaster and that's a movie that i actually really enjoy i think mm. that's a, a really interesting movie but apparently it's very compromised and um then you think this comes along and i guess that expectation probably from gilliam is that Okay, you know, hopefully this is a gonna hit, but mm. I just at watch best, it. And at best, think, it's gonna be a cult hit. Like it's like not in this do world, well it's just not going to, is it? Mm. Like they're, they're, movies, we're just not in a world where that sort of thing is gonna be a hit anymore. Mm. He would have done. Like I'm sure he would have been uh, morally against it, but surely it would have done better as like a you know a streaming service movie. More people would see it. Yeah, well, it probably won't be long before it is on, though, to be fair, and that's probably how the majority of people will see it. So mm. I, I guess the the model's all different now anyway. And I saw Dumbo. Uh, we, look, we had so many choices for movies, and Dumbo got pushed out, and now with everything that's coming up, it's going to be hard to see it in a timely fashion. So I went and saw it by myself. Uh, I did get questioned uh, on that as well mm. by the uh, ticket seller. Oh, just one ticket? Because I went across. Mm. And he was like, uh, well, what happened was I said, can I have one for Dumbo, please? And there's a guy behind the counter who's the, um, clearly in charge. Mm. Uh, he's the older guy. And then um, there's a sort of young, uh, you know, young, thin adolescent with glasses <laughs> making ice cream. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, oh, that's a really mean thing to say about him. And points to the, the guy with the glasses. Um, and he said, he didn't, he didn't mean to call you that to him. And I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> and he went, ah, oh, banter and stuff. And he said, so let me ask you, why Why is a, a grown man going and seeing <laughs> Dumbo by himself? And I was the only one in the cinema at that point. Mm. 
And uh, I said, oh, you know, I'm going to review it. And he said, yeah, I thought as much. Mm. Um, then we had a conversation about that. But there ended up being five people in the cinema, including mm-hmm. myself, and including a um, couple that were older than I were on a date. She was wearing, like, quite a fancy dress. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was a small cinema, but they sat a seat away from me. She was a seat away from me. Mm. And uh, he was getting quite amorous oh. throughout the movie. Oh, yuck. And... Um, you know, that she would get to a point where it would get pretty close and then she'd oh. stop him. Oh, and, fuck. <laughs> and then she would pull her dress down. And oh, no. Cross her legs. And then it would all start up again. So that was... Oh, um, fucking hell. That coloured my Dumbo experience. There's a lot of, so there was a lot of trunks in that cinema. Um, no, I don't think uh, I don't think the trunk was, was out, but uh, he certainly was... Um, Mining for peanuts. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hoping to find a peanut, but um, kept, getting, kept getting stopped. Okay. So... Fucking hell. Like, you know... I can't, like, I kind of understand going to the cinema and, and, and getting frisky. I suppose. I suppose. But that particular cinema, like, that's a cinema for the elderly. Like, yeah. it's, it's a very... Well, they were they were probably around the 50 mark. Oh, yeah, but still. Yeah. Still. And, like, anyway, if you're going to do that stuff, like, everybody knows, back row, you don't yeah. sit near other people. Like, yeah. that's so weird and bad. One away, yeah. Mm. And I've got really good peripheral vision too. Oh, so yeah, yuck. Yeah, you could, you know, and I'm very aware of movement or noise mm. when I'm watching a movie, as, mm. as you well know. Mm-hmm. Um, kid in Shazam eating his uh, the plastic top off his drink next to me uh. yesterday. That was annoying. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, that's the other thing I want to say to Shazam. Sorry, mm. I just want a quick stick it to America. That broke my fucking heart to see the security in that high school, especially as I work in a high school. <gasps> so mean to him but to see them going through like airport security style scanners oh that oh i thought i thought you meant how mean they were being to the security oh no just the fact that oh yeah that's fucked yeah yeah Mm. but greatest country in the world um so yeah dumbo uh look i'm such a sucker for disney stuff and i was sort of saying to you beforehand um you know, Pete's Dragon didn't look like it had much going for it, but mm. ended up getting, like, really sort of suckered into it. Mm. Really got suckered into Winnie the Pooh and uh, Christopher Robin. And, mm. you know, they tend to kind of get me. Mm. But I don't know if it was the distraction in the cinema or what, but I just couldn't land this one. I just mm. didn't feel it. Like, I think it was a... Um, I think it's a really confused movie. Something that's pretty light on plot, but stretches that plot really far. And every time it alludes to the original, which I yeah, am quite fond of, and I, I re-listened to the original soundtrack after this just to sort of jog my memory, I think every time it tries to hit on one of those scenes, it's kind of a poor shadow mm. of that. And it's a movie of really mixed agendas because it can't do the crows or anything like that. Mm. So you, you miss out on... Well, you miss out on all the great songs because it's not a musical version. Mm. Um, Baby of Mine comes into it, but that scene, which is kind of devastating in the animated movie, is kind of brushed over a bit, I thought, in this new version. It's got a... Obviously, it has to have elephants in the circus, but then it's 2019, so it has to be like shoehorn in a we-can't-have-elephants-in-the-circus-anymore mm. message. Mm. And Dumbo himself, although, you know, quite appealing, sort of keeps disappearing from the movie. Even when he's present, he's more of a prop. And I just don't feel that Burton is massively invested in... Like, so there's a coldness, in a way, to this movie. There's a sort of distance. And it's really ill-defined... Like, it's one of those things where there's so many clashing ideas that you kind of go, well, what, what the fuck am I supposed to be invested in? He, uh, I really wanted to see how Burton would do the Pink Elephants on Parade, but of course, Dumbo can't get drunk. So, the way what they do instead is such a shadow of the original and such a missed opportunity. It's mm-hmm. not memorable at all. It's a, it's a bit of CGI bubble stuff, which becomes a performance in the tent. Mm. Uh, and I think the other problem it has is a flying elephant is supposed to be the thing in this movie. That That's the magical element. And whereas we live in a world now where the flying elephant would be one of 32 members on a superhero team. So the minute you put anything else that's fantastical or magical 
in this film, it kind of drags you away from the flying elephant being Mm. special. And this fucking elephant starts off as an elephant. Like, he's an elephant. Mm. But then he seems to understand human language, and then later on he's operating complex human machines. Okay. Then he seems to be psychic for a while. Mm Okay. And then he understands human metaphor, Mm. just verbally. Okay. So, I just felt like... I know I'm already suspending my disbelief with the flying elephant, but that's the premise. That's the thing. Mm. You're, you're putting me in that world. I believe it. But if the elephant's suddenly psychic just because the story needs him to be for that second and that just comes out of nowhere, I, that I've got an issue with. So I, I thought it was a real jumble. And, and the other really strange thing, just to cap this off, is that um, Michael Keaton plays a very rich guy who owns a theme park. Mm-hmm. And um, wants to, you know, greedily exploit Dumbo and, mm-hmm. and doesn't give a fuck about animals or safety or anything like that. And there is, and considering the movie's set in, um, so like the, I think it's like the 1915 or something like mm. that, and the style of this theme park with its different areas and its science areas and stuff like that, there's no real world comparison now except for. Disneyland and Mm. this idea of him being a Walt Disney-esque character. Mm. So to have this Disney movie where Disneyland is the evil place and Walt Disney is this evil exploitative prick, you're just like, what Mm. what, what am I supposed to be taking away from this? Because you can't pretend that we're not going to notice that. So what are you saying? Is this Burton saying something? Mm. But you know nothing's happening without studio being behind it. So I just don't know what the fuck this movie is. Mm. So it's, it's thin. And it's a waste of, like, really good talent, like Colin Farrell, who just sort of mopes around the film and mm. does fuck all. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Stick to the original. That was a miss for me. I think I gave that two because okay. I couldn't even give it a two and a half, even though it's, like, nice at some points and it's interesting. There's just too many conflicting ideas. And, and, and I feel like Burton's lazy. Like, I feel like he's one of those pricks that, and I've seen this before, that it just interested in just design have that assumption that, oh, yeah, like, if I put it all together and it looks good and everything, people will like it. Mm. And hasn't really thought about the true line and making everything work. And, um, you know, he doesn't give a fuck about the script. He just assumes that he'll be able to make it all if look it looked, good. If it and, looks nice enough, then, yeah. you know. And, and it's lazy, and it's not. It's not enough. Like, he needs to do more with it. So, yeah. Uh, and probably no surprise that Disney... You know, this is the one that Disney shoveled out at this time of year as opposed to some of the other ones later in the year. So, um, yeah, not a fan of Dumbo. Bum, bum. And then I'll be really brief on Unicorn Store. Um, in fact, I won't do a proper review because I've just talked too much. Uh, but Brie Larson directed it. It's on Netflix. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's in it. It's been around for a couple of years and hasn't had a home. Uh, it's a, a pretty sweet, simple movie it's uh you know very much an indie film um not a massive budget or anything but i I got swept up in its sweetness Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it i love brie larson i love what she was doing in there it's like a pg movie it's not nothing you know particularly challenging Mm -hmm. but uh i did find myself wanting to know what happened next and and um you know i did pay full attention and watch Mm -hmm. it through from start to finish so Mm -hmm. uh if you're looking for a brie larson fix uh go check that out there we go that was all that. Um, what's watch challenge? Mm. Over to you, pal, because I need a break. <laughs> well, it's the last two weeks of uh, Silent Film Month, which I haven't... Like, I, I feel like I've got something out of this month, but I f- wouldn't say that I had really loved this month. I'm looking forward to next month a lot. That's Bollywood month. Um, and I'm very uh, excited about the movies I have lined up. But this, uh, this month dragged a little bit for me. So... Our first uh, week three was um, Ernst Lupich, German, German, yes, I guess German, German. director. Yes, um, and I watched a film called Col Heisel's Daughters, which is like a Taming of the Shrew esque kind of uh, film where a guy's got two daughters. Uh, someone wants to marry the younger one, and he says, uh, "Absolutely not." Unless uh, you find somebody to marry the older daughter, because the older one has to uh, get married first. And the older daughter is um, 
Well, they're saying that like this younger one is very beautiful and lovely and the older one is like um, a farm animal basically. <laughs> but I was like looking at them and being like, but they don't look any different to me. And then uh, after I watched the movie and went to log it on Letterboxd, I realized they're played by the same fucking person. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes far more sense. Um, this was, it was quite funny in part, but the most the most entertaining bit for me which made me cry with laughter and i rewound it to watch it multiple times there's a bit where a guy sadly eats a very thick sausage oh yes (laughs) you did send me some (laughs) screenshots of this i sent pictures to fucking everybody and it looks it just it looks like he's chowing down on a big dick and it was really fun it was the funniest fucking thing i have seen in a silent film this entire month and it made the whole thing worth it. The rest of the movie, eh, it was fine, whatever. Um, but this scene was the best thing ever. I think I gave it an extra half a star for the dick-eating scene. So silent films can eat a dick. <laughs> they literally can eat a dick. To you. Yeah. Interesting that you said that uh, there was a person playing a dual role because mm. that was the same in the movie that I watched ah. by Ernst Lubitsch. Um, now he doesn't want to pay a lot of actors. No, no, well, none by, by the <laughs> by the feel of it. Um, so this film's 1919. Mm-hmm. So this was the earliest one that I'd watched. In fact, both films I watched uh, were 1919. Yeah. So this had more of that thing that I was expecting. The mm. kind of um, jerky jump cuts or frames missing Mm -hmm. and uh but this was very slapstick very uh inventive Mm. but it's called the doll and it's basically about a sex doll oh okay so there's this guy who's a misogynist who um and that gets called out at a point Mm. like he is a misogynist Mm. And uh, he's the nephew of some important person, like a king or something like that. Anyway, he's got to get married. So these 40 women all crowd around, all the maidens of the town, and they're like, oh, we're going to marry you. And he's like, fuck that. And he's, <laughs> you know, they're jumping out windows and running around Benny Hill style mm-hmm. and stuff. And he goes to a monastery mm. and he gets in. He's like, I'm not going to marry a woman. Fuck them. And um, he gets a note from his father saying, or uncle or whoever it is saying, oh, look, if you marry a woman, we're going to give you... All's forgiven. Marry a woman and we're going to give you a dowry of 300,000 francs. Mm-hmm. And the monks see that and they're like, oh, fuck, can you imagine all the pig knuckles and shit we could buy mm-hmm. with that? Because mm-hmm. they're just all eating food. Mm. So they're like, we know a dude who will make you a doll which will look like a woman mm-hmm. and will perform actions like a woman mm-hmm. and you can marry that. And they've got a flyer for him, and it's like for bachelors, widowers, and misogynists, um, you can get this doll. So he goes to the doll maker, and the doll maker's got crazy hair and a crazy moustache, mm. and like this boy that works there who's mm. all causes all sorts of mischief. And of course, what happens is he makes the doll based on his daughter, mm. and then this kid breaks the doll, breaks an arm off, so she goes and pretends to be the doll. <gasps> while um, the doll, real doll, gets fixed. Oh, okay. So she gets married and undressed and all sorts of stuff happens and and she causes a lot of mischief and mugs a lot at the camera. So, you know, look, it was actually quite Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. It wasn't bad. But, um, yeah, I I, I think it was by the end of the doll, I was like, okay, I've got what I need to get out of silent movies Mm -hmm. now. I've watched, you know, a 30s, I think I watched a 40s, a 30s and a 1919, mm. and I was like, yeah, I, I kind of get it. Mm. But then we weren't done, were we? Because we had to watch something with Lillian Gish. Mm. You need to scroll down. I can't oh, remember. Okay. <laughs> We've got the sheet. Okay, I can't remember what I watched. Uh, I watched I watched a film from 1919 as well called um, Broken Blossoms, and it's about... It's set in um, uh, London, I guess, somewhere in England, and London's relatively recognisable on the screen. Yeah, but you don't like. There's no significant landmarks. You know, the London Eye wasn't there. Okay, that's good. Um, the Shard. Yeah, Shard wasn't there. Um, and it's about a Chinese man that comes over from uh, China. Shockingly, uh, comes over to you know spread the word of, of, of Buddha to to the heathen whites, and he thinks he's coming to this wonderful land who will uh, accept him, and and everything will go well. And of course, he comes to England, and it's very bad. 
And so he's there being sad in in um, England, and he meets, or he sort of comes across this young girl. She's about fifteen ish. She's the illegitimate daughter of this like street boxer. Is this the Leon Gish? Uh, I guess. I guess so. I I. I don't know. I don't know. I suppose so. Um, and then she's the only real girl in the movie, so well, I'm going to... chances are high. I'm going to make a, a, an assumption that it probably is. Um, she... Yeah, so her dad's this sort of street boxer kind of guy, and he's a dick, and he... Whenever he's angry or frustrated or whatever, he'll, like, beat her, and he's very mean to her and treats her like a slave and all this sort of stuff. So these two sort of downtrodden and marginalised people kind of form uh, sort of a... Friendship. He sees um, the Chinese guy sort of sees her get, uh, you know, attacked by her dad and sort of takes her in and looks after her for a, for a period of time. And I mean, it's hard to call out a movie from 1919 for racism because it's, you know, it's a hundred years ago and I uh, fully accept that values definitely have changed. But the Chinese man in this movie is played by a white dude. Of course. But you know that he's Chinese because he's wearing a little hat and he squints a lot. Um, and they even, even the, the girl who is, like, reacting positively towards this Chinese character, she calls him Chinky. Oh. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay, that's... I Wow, okay, I haven't heard uh, that phrase for quite some time, but uh, fair enough. But despite all that, I actually kind of liked the film like I think that um out of the ones that I've seen and it's not really the fault of the film I think it's a lot to do with the I guess the restoration and the digital transfer but I think this one looked the best out of a lot of the others that I'd seen and I really liked it wasn't all uh, sometimes you know that the cards would come up saying what the characters were saying and mm. whatever this one's more about it would have cards come up sort of describing the scene or how the characters were feeling and they were really nicely written like there was some nice mood to those um was it a dw yes i think so that came up with dw on the bottom of the the card yeah. is he the the, um, uh, the director the, the, the nation the, the birth, birth of, of a nation. nation yeah um griffiths yes yeah um and i despite all the the weirdness like this you know the, the chinese character and he's never referred to really as anything other than the yellow man that's his character name um he is like an adult and the girl is 15 and he like loves her and he doesn't do anything about that but he knows that she's a child and kind of is always like oh my heart and all this stuff and I'm like oh that's a bit creepy um but for the most part I did I despite all of that I did quite like the film which I wasn't expecting to I watched sort of 10 minutes of it the other day and I went oh god I need to leave this for another day but when I went back to it I, I was quite invested in it well I thought Griffiths was dog shit because I watched True Heart Susie, mm-hmm. and uh, I really struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end, I, I really watched it in the most peripheral sense. Mm. But Lillian Gish plays Susie, who's a plain girl. And again, there's all these um, sort of philosophical and poetic captions that come mm. up to describe feelings and mm. stuff. She falls in love with this dude. He wants to go to university. She sells her cow and does all this other stuff to get him there. And he doesn't even know that she's his benefactor. And then um, when he comes back, she's like, oh, I'm going to get you now, boyfriend. And he's like, fuck you. I like that hot chick. Mm -hmm. And he marries someone else. And then that woman ends up dying. And then finally at the end, after Susie's pined over this dickhead for (laughs) the whole film, they get together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yay. Mm. Uh, but how how long was it? Broken Blossom's about an hour and a half. Yes, it's about an hour and a half. Yeah, okay. And the biggest issue I have with it is just after seeing all that funny slapstick, inventive stuff, mm. I just don't feel that the medium was up to a drama like that. Mm. Like the performances are quite understated, mm. and you don't have big close-ups or anything. I mean, this was still a time when they would iris in to, Mm. you know, put a black mask around to show you something, to draw attention to something within the frame. So, visually, I think it's so flat. Like, it really is just expressionless people sitting next to each other in parks and fields and Mm. things like that with these really bombastic uh, title cards to break Mm. it up. So, uh, I thought it was. Shit! Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I just thought 
he was undercooked. Yeah. He was like, you're not ready. We're not ready for True Heart Susie yet. We need the, <laughs> we need the medium to advance a little bit. Mm. Um, and I felt bad because, you know, you go and log these on Letterboxd and because you need to be able to view them in a historical context and mm. what they achieve at that time, um, most of them are really quite highly rated. Mm. And I think I'm the only person to give this... Like, I think I've given it the lowest score out of anybody mm. on Letterboxd. Mm. Um, whereas the other ones... I quite liked, I quite enjoyed the three that I watched before mm. that, but this one, I was just done with it. So, True Heart Susie, no thank you. More like True Heart Snoozy. Ah, yes, mm. yes. More like Poo Fart Boozy. Oh, okay. Anyway, next month, Bollywood. Not just Bollywood, the theme is Bollywood leading ladies. Yes. So, each one is, uh, each week is themed by a particular actress. Yes, and uh, I think apart from the first one, because, you know, how, how can you do a Bollywood leading ladies month without framing it around a very famous Bollywood man? So I, the, the last three are all movies with uh, Shah Rukh Khan, apart from the first one. I think maybe I need to try and find a, uh, one with Shah Rukh Khan in it for the first one. I'm going to get stuck into it. brilliant. Stuck deep into a vagina oh, on the first one. I can't remember what I'm watching. No. Yeah. But uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the good. second week when I do Toon Perk, a superhero, uh-huh. which uh, people have said on Letterboxd is like the worst cartoon and live action mashup ever. Yeah, cool. And given it like one star. Sounds rad. Can't wait. Yeah. Alright, so uh, that's something to look forward to as well. Uh, when are we... We're going to watch Hellboy next week? Yeah, Hellboy next week, and then we'll be back the week after with... Is that Infinity War week? Uh, Endgame? I don't know. 24... Yeah, I guess it's getting close. Yeah. 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 Sick. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Alright. Yeah. Great. Uh, thanks for listening. You can go to furthestpeace.com to find out everything we're doing, including links to our... Facebook discussion group to our Patreon to all that lovely stuff. Plus, uh, Dungeons & Drongos is back. The brand new adventures are happening as we speak. You'll find links to Dungeons & Drongos there as well. And, uh, yeah, thanks for your support. Spread the word. And I'd love to hear what you thought about uh, any of the movies that we talked about. Like that? That was fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not your worst not your best <laughs> <laughs> tinkity tonk